You're listening to The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks for tuning in. It is another episode, episode 85, I believe, of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards with you, flying solo for uh, this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. We're a little late. I'm a little late uh, posting this uh, episode. Uh, we normally we try to uh, do the show on either a Wednesday night, Thursday night, Miss E and I at the – now it's getting to the point where we've got to do it at the kitchen table because it is getting rather cold out there. Uh, last week was the second round of chemo for Miss E, and she was feeling like crap, honestly. Uh, so – She's been uh, in bed the last few days. That means that uh, I have been having to uh, do a little bit more around the house. <laughs> and uh, the kids are doing more. It's not all me. Uh, but life has gotten a little more hectic, at least temporarily. So that's the reason for the delay. Um, we will be back later this week with a special Thanksgiving episode of 40 Acres and a Fool. And I believe Miss E is going to try to arouse herself uh, and uh, join me for that. We'll be talking about some of your favorite Thanksgiving memories. Uh, I would love to hear from you. Uh, 40acrefool at gmail.com. That is the email. I'd love to hear your favorite Thanksgiving stories. What's your favorite thing? that like? What, what has to be on the Thanksgiving table? What, what, it's not Thanksgiving if you don't have what? I am very curious, uh, and hopefully we'll get some maybe uh, – uh, some geographical differences, different parts of the country. Uh, you got to have one thing. I'll save the one thing that always appeared on the Thanksgiving table uh, when I was growing up in Oklahoma that we have never had as an adult, but I'll save that for the next weekend. So, or for the next edition, uh, which will be coming up before Thanksgiving, by the way. So you get uh, two 40 acres this week. Uh, as I said, it has gotten cold. Uh, now, granted, I've got friends like Jen Jakes who live up in Wisconsin. I've got friends like Laura Carno who are out in Colorado. Trent Marsh in Indiana is or they've already seen snow, so I shouldn't complain too much. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's gotten really really cold. Like lows in the twenties, below freezing. Uh, highs uh, this weekend. We had a cold front come through. It was absolutely beautiful on Saturday. Saturday morning was gorgeous, sixty five degrees. Uh, and uh, Bullet and I went for a nice long walk trying to scope out. I've seen some deer at night, but I haven't seen any deer during the day. 
on our property. So I'm trying to figure out where a good spot might be to maybe set up a stand or something like that. So we go for a walk. The uh, We've had our neighbor's cows in the pasture for the uh, past five or six days or so. So, so they move out a couple days ago. And uh, and Bullet and I go for a nice long walk. It's absolutely beautiful. We uh, posted a couple of pictures on our Instagram account at Cam Edwards this weekend from our walk. So we uh, we we go into the woods, um, walk through the uh, the cow pasture. We get into the woods and we're walking the the, the woods that we have on one side of our property. Uh, it's basically there's a, a dry creek bed uh, dry creek bed that runs through the middle of it, and then you've got hills on either side. So we're kind of walking down by the creek bed. Bullet's having a great time. He's really enjoying himself. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful. It's gorgeous, like I said. Blue sky, mid-60s, just relaxing. It's just nice to be out of the house. And I've got my phone with me, but I'm not on uh, social media. I'm just kind of disconnected. And we're walking, and uh, I get to a spot. I see a, 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 some some big rocks, some boulders. And I'm like, right, I'm just going to sit and just chill out, just look around and just enjoy the moment. Um, and so I do. I go and I sit on the rock and I drop the leash and bullet wanders off and I'm keeping an eye on him, but he's kind of behind me. So I turn around and I see him just – he's just stopped and he's staring straight ahead. And so I look at where he's staring and I see this huge black shape in the woods. And for a moment, I freak out. For a moment, I think – Oh, good Lord, it's a black bear. And what am I, I going to do here? I'm right by the road, and he's between me and the road. Do I have a good shot? I, all these thoughts go through my mind right away. Uh, and after about what probably was no more than a second and a half, or what seemed like about 10 seconds, I realized the uh, big black bear is not actually a big black bear. Uh, no, instead, it is a black Angus cow. Uh, which apparently had decided to just stick around. And when all of the other uh, cows got moved to another pasture, this one, I guess, was just tired of her friends. So she decided that she would go off by herself for a little bit. Uh, so uh, the cow did not charge Booker or Bullet. Uh, Bullet did not charge the cow. We uh, uh, backed off, let the cow have its space. because It was a big cow in the woods. Uh, and then uh, – uh, so so the cow just has stuck around. Um, I need to call my neighbor and actually let him know. Normally, they, uh, the, the cows are tagged, so they keep a pretty good eye on them. But uh, last night, uh, Sunday night, when it was really, really cold, I could hear this poor lonely cow bellowing uh, in the little veil uh, where the uh, cow had gone to get out of the wind. And it was just – it wasn't the – you know, nice, typical, stereotypical moo cow. No, it was the woo cow sound. Yeah. So uh, hopefully the cow will be back with her neighbors and her uh, compatriots here tonight. I'll, I'll let my neighbor know that was going on. But I had that moment of absolute terror <laughs> for, for about a second and a half. Uh, felt like an eternity and yes, I got scared by a cow. So that was my that was my forty acre fool moment. Uh, at some point, you know, I, I get a little cocky and I think I got this. I know I I I got it. I'm good. I'm comfortable here, and I am comfortable. But then I realize I have those those moments again where all of a sudden I realize I'm not quite as comfortable and as knowledgeable 
as I like to tell myself. It's still very much a, a learning process for me. But now, now I can spot the difference between a bear and a cow in the woods that uh, one wouldn't think that would be a skill one would have to learn. But uh, apparently with me, it is. All right. We're going to step away for just a moment or two. We do have more 40 Acres and a Fool on the way. So stick around. We'll be back after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards continues on the Blaze Radio Network. So I saw the story of the Wall Street Journal um, about urban chickens, particularly one urban chicken uh, named Rudy the Rooster, who lives in Pittsburgh. Claire Ansberry had the story of uh, Rudy who has so far managed to avoid capture from uh, the homeowner who uh, used to own Rudy, uh, a city inspector, animal control agents, uh, an assistant city solicitor. Uh, Now, the Wall Street Journal says Frank Cantone, who is a school resource officer who apprehends chickens in his spare time, is uh, driving 600 miles to try to get Rudy the Rooster, uh, who lives on a property belonging to a guy named Henry Gaston, but he doesn't belong to uh, Henry Gaston. He says that uh, Rudy and uh, two other roosters uh, began squatting in the yard of his home, or actually the home where his mom lived until she died several years ago. The Wall Street Journal says the other roosters, apparently slower, were apprehended by animal control agents and relocated to a farm. Rudy, however, remained elusive, although visible. He walks down the sidewalk, visits garages, neighbors feed him sandwiches and peanuts. District Court Judge Oscar Pettit, who lives a block away, says his dog used to freeze and stare at the bird. Now, Judge Pettit says, doesn't even pay attention anymore. So this is my question. It's been my experience with our birds that uh, when darkness falls... The birds don't move at all. There have been a couple of occasions over the past few years where um, there was once where uh, the the coop, we normally prop the coop door open during the day with a brick. Uh, The brick had fallen. The coop door had closed. And so uh, they didn't go in to their coop at night. So I, I go out. It's dark. I go out to shut up the chickens and they're all there in their yard and none of them are moving. Like at all. It was the easiest thing to put them in the coop because all I had to do was open the door uh, and pick them up one by one, including our rooster 
and put them in the coop and they didn't move. So I'm trying to figure out, like, have they not looked for Rudy after dark? Have they just not? I, I, I would find Rudy at dusk and I would just follow Rudy the rooster. And then when darkness fell and Rudy stopped moving, it should be an easy task to go and pick up this bird. But um, apparently not. I don't know. I guess they haven't tried this. The funniest part of the story in the Wall Street Journal uh, was uh, a woman who lives across the street from where this rooster likes to hang out. She says, uh, Rudy makes a loud piercing noise day and night. He doesn't know when to cuckoo. I don't, I don't, well, first of all, the roosters, they don't, they don't cuckoo at all. That's a cuckoo bird. They Roosters crow. She says, it's 2 a.m. and I hear this scream and I sit straight up in bed. Now, Sharon Hughes doesn't blame Rudy. She believes if Rudy was with other roosters, he would learn to crow only at sunrise. He doesn't know he's annoying people, she says. Well, no, he doesn't. Um, but roosters also don't only crow at sunrise, which is, again, yes, it did take me moving to a farm to realize this and understand this. But but roosters crow all day long. Uh, and yes, roosters will crow at night. Generally, uh, my roosters, if they're crowing at night, uh, generally it's because you're shining a light on their coop um, or they they have seen some sort of uh, uh, light that makes them think, okay, well, it must be uh, must be getting towards daylight. So I would say if there are streetlights in the neighborhood, uh, if there are maybe car headlights that flash on Rudy, uh, then Rudy is probably going to be crowing in the middle of the night. But roosters crow all damn day because they're not just crowing to greet the sun; they're also crowing to keep a uh, ear out or to uh, to to corral. The, the hens under their care. It's a call and response. When we have multiple roosters, we would uh, usually have uh, one rooster that would hang out with, you know, five or six hens on one side of the house. The other rooster would be hanging out on the other side of the house with another five or six hens. And there would be this back and forth call and response all day long between – at that point, it was Chip and it was Silent Bob. Um that was the last time we had two roosters. Now, we do have two roosters right now. Now we have Crow and we have Fabio. But Fabio is uh, still a juvenile. He hasn't started crowing yet. And, and, but it would, it would – back and forth all day long. You would just hear – Missy and I used to uh, to laugh about it, saying that in chicken talk, all we were hearing was, hey, Bob. And then you'd hear, hey, Chip. Hey, Bob. And that's what they're doing. They're just crowing back and forth. So anyway, uh, we'll see if we can get an update. It was supposed to be this past weekend that uh, Rudy the Rooster was going to uh, uh, be uh, taken into custody. Uh, one of the uh, – Sonia Toller, spokeswoman for the uh, City of Pittsburgh Public Safety Department, which oversees animal control, says she spent many summers at her great-grandparents' farm feeding roosters and chickens and know that they can be hard to catch. They can, by the way. During the day, I can't do it. My youngest daughter, she is the chicken whisperer. She can scoop up the chickens. She can go grab a hen like it's nothing. Uh, I, I can't. I do not have that ability. Uh, Sonia Toller says there's a lot of luck in capturing a rooster. Agents are trained. They wear thick gloves to protect from being pecked. They generally use nets. They've also tried luring Rudy by setting traps, cages with food inside. She said uh, it didn't work. Again, just just wait until dark. That's all you have to do. Now, the... Uh, uh, the, the chicken wrangler, Mr. Cantone, has a three-step plan to try to catch Rudy. 
Uh, he will scatter a special mix, the Wall Street Journal says, of chicken feed and sunflower seeds on the ground and have some in his gloved hand. Once Rudy eats from his hand, he will grab him with the other, which worked in two previous rooster captures. If that fails, Wall Street Journal says he'll use his daughters. Rudy likes children. While his doctors distract it, while his daughters distract him, Mr. Cantone will sneak up and grab the rooster. If those two don't work, he will wait until dark. So there you go. Apparently, Rudy sleeps in a tree to avoid predators, so Mr. Cantone is bringing a stepladder. If the ladder is too short, he will call the local fire department, which has offered to make its ladder available. I'm, I'm guessing, and again, we'll look for the follow-up, but I'm guessing it might have come down to option number three. And why it took somebody driving 600 miles to wait until dark is beyond me, but there you go. Your uh, tax dollars at work there in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I think that uh, I think they need to try to give that rooster to Selena Zito up in Pittsburgh. I think Selena needs to start keeping some urban chickens. All right. Uh, when we come back, we've got more from well, more from this edition of Forty Acres in a Fool. We've get to uh, talk with you. We've got some emails to get to, and uh, some other good stuff on the way. So stick around. We'll be right back. Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So in the last episode of 40 Acres and a Fool, we talked a little bit about the uh, amazing chewing and eating capacity of Booker the Puppy. This has continued, uh, by the way. We have had to move a, uh, a kid's desk because Booker was eating the legs. Um, also, Booker has been getting into the, uh, the goat feed and, uh, and even a 50-pound bag of whole corn that we keep for the goats and the hogs. And uh, Booker's stomach did not like the 50-pound bag. And I didn't eat 50 pounds, thankfully. Um, but uh, I, I mentioned that Missy has sort of been laid up, uh, so I've been – uh, stepping up around the house and, and, and doing all the things that needs to, to get done. So Saturday night, it's about 1230, maybe or so early Sunday morning, a little bit after midnight. And uh, the dishes are done and put away. The, the laundry is caught up. The dogs have been walked. I go to put Booker in his crate for the night and Booker has yarked. All over his crate, Booker has yarked in Bullet's crate, which Bullet doesn't really use anymore. Uh, it was absolutely awful. <laughs> and so it was, uh, it was a little bit of a late night cleanup job before I got to bed on a Saturday night. Uh, all this 
is to uh, lead into Arturo's email who says, Cam, you can't really stop a puppy that's wanting to chew from chewing. What you can do, however, is to give him and thus show him what he is allowed to chew and keeping him busy while doing so. If you haven't already done this, then get a lot of dog toys and or hollow bones that you can stuff with treats and dog food. Uh, Arturo, uh, you'll be happy to know, last night, actually, Booker did get some additional dog toys. Um, I'm going to parcel them out. So I bought him three. I'm going to give him one, and I'm, he's not going to get another one until he destroys the first one, and then he'll get another one. So right now he has, it's called a plubber. Yeah, uh, plush on the outside and then a rubber core. So it looks like a chicken bone. So he gets that that sense that, okay, if I just keep biting this, I can tear it apart at some point, but uh, uh, but he really can't. Uh, the plubber has so far lasted eight hours, which is longer than some of the other dog toys that uh, Booker has had uh, in the past. So uh, good advice, Arturo, and I'm already following it. Uh, Arturo says since he's not an only dog, you'll also have to manage bullets so he doesn't take them away or eat any leftovers and ruin his dog figure. Uh, of course, you'll have to adjust Booker's meals by taking into account all the extra treats he's eaten that day. In fact, some people have fed their puppies strictly by this method until they're out of the teething, chewing, destructive phase of puppyhood. So we do feed them separately. Uh, that's just easier because they're also on a different uh, uh, dog food. Booker's still eating his uh, puppy chow and, and Bullet and Ruffy are uh, both eating the adult dog food. So that isn't much of an issue. Uh, but this morning – uh, as just a couple of hours ago, as I'm doing the morning routine and make sure the kids are up and ready to go to school and walking all the dogs, I, uh, I, I, I get ready to take Booker out and Bullet does grab the rubber chicken leg. And I'm like, all right, you know what, dude, just take it for a minute while I deal with the puppy. Go deal with the puppy. Uh, get the puppy squared away. Go to get the chicken, the rubber, the plubber chicken leg uh, from Bullet. And he growls at me, like, like, really growled. I'm like, like, don't touch this, it's mine. I was kind of stunned. A bullet is usually such a very sweet and loving dog towards me. So I think he was feeling a little jealous. Like, why the heck is Booker getting all these treats? So um, I did get the plubber chicken leg uh, from Bullet, and I gave him – a new toy as well. So uh, all is right with the world. Uh, Arturo says, by the way, a tired puppy makes for a happy puppy owner. So give him as much exercise as possible if he's got the energy to chew. Then he's got the energy to do something more productive. Training is even better than exercise. His mind will get tired way before his body ever does. But you may need to exercise him first to calm him down enough to be more receptive to training. Say what you will about him, but Cesar Milan got it right with his mantra of exercise, discipline, and then affection. Good luck, says Arturo. Well, Arturo, thank you very much, sir. I do appreciate that. And uh, yes, both Booker and I are getting more exercise. I took Booker out, starting to take him out for some nice long walks. It's a little bit easier on the weekends when I get home before dark. Uh, but uh, basically just take him all the way up our uh, uh, gravel road. And when we start heading home, and then I'll I, I won't, uh, I'll let him off the leash, basically. Um, and just let him tear down the uh, gravel road and and he runs as fast as he can uh, for a couple hundred yards and then he will stop and he'll wait for me to catch up. I do not run as fast as I can for a couple of hundred yards. And uh, and then we do that, repeat uh, going down the driveway. But yeah, you're absolutely right, Arturo, because Bullet, uh, excuse me, Booker, um, the the puppy is just a, a fountain 
an endless fountain of energy. Every every time you take them out, you can run around the yard and do that. So uh, it is actually good, and we have seen a little bit of a difference. There was uh, there was actually a few hours yesterday where Booker was out with everybody, and he wasn't trying to eat anybody's face off. He likes to do that with Booker or with Bullet. He likes to uh, uh, attack and play in the house, and they start snarling, and, and it uh, gets really annoying. But he was actually good. Uh, in the house for like two hours yesterday. So it's a uh, it's a start. I will take it, Arturo. And thank you again for the advice. Uh, let's see. Also, uh, at the email address, 40acrefool at gmail.com, Brian writing in how we stopped our puppy from chewing ice cubes, he says. This was suggested to me by a friend who raises pit bulls. It's not hard to get him to eat the first one. Because they skitter across the floor and engage the hunting drive. They're cold and hard, so it soothes the dog's mouth. And the only real problem is that you'll be finding little puddles all over your house for a while. Yeah, well, that, uh, that, that's an issue with Booker anyway, different kinds of puddles. So I'll, I, I'll, I'll take that, Brian. Uh, Brian says, my best to you and Missy. I wish I could do more than send good thoughts. I, th- I hate it, Brian says, when bad things happen to good people. Well, Brian, listen, I really do appreciate that. And... You know, uh, look, I, I'm, I'm sure bad things happen to bad people, too. <laughs> um, but it uh, we're going to get through it. We're halfway through. We are halfway through the chemo officially. Uh, Missy has two more rounds to go, uh, one in December, which will kind of suck because it'll be right around Christmas, a little bit before, and then uh, mid-January, and then she's done. She's done. So it is hard. I'll be I'll be honest with you. It is Hard to see her uh, just, you know, almost immediately just be uh, sent to bed and not be able to get up and, you know, the nausea and it's not been fun. Um, I would say this second go around, the nausea, the effects hit her uh, sooner than with the uh, the first round of chemo uh, for sure. Um, Day one. Uh, of chemo, Missy was good to go. She actually drove herself to and from day two. Uh, she was good to go. She drove herself and then drove home and immediately went to bed. And then day three, she's like, you got to drive me. And I said, okay. And uh, and since then, again, there's been a couple of days where she's just basically been in bed. Um, I'm hoping that today will be uh, the, the day where she starts to get up and gets moving a little bit. But um, she made it a little bit more recovery time. But uh, – you know, you get through it as best as you can, and thankfully, the uh, the kids are old enough to help out. Uh, the uh, youngest have really stepped up and are doing a pretty good job of making sure the critters get fed and making sure that they've got fresh water. Sixteen year old is doing a pretty good job of uh, minding his younger brother or sister while I'm not there and uh, doing things like uh, the dishes and a lot of the heavy lifting. So we are getting it done. And, uh, and and frankly, you know, if there is a silver lining in all of this, it is that this has sort of foisted more responsibility on my kids and they see what they are capable of. Um, and there's no amount of complaining that or whining that will change the fact that they have to do these things. And And that I think has been a really important lesson for them as well, that sometimes there are things that you just have to step up. And do, and you might as well do it with a good attitude because doing it with a bad attitude doesn't change the fact that you have to do it. 
I think that my kids have actually taken that lesson to heart. And, uh, you know, again, I'm kind of looking for silver linings right now, so I'll take it. All right, we're going to step away for uh, another quick timeout here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool, but we do have more coming up right after this. So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Stupid internet stuff. Huh. Click here for free. Oh, I got a virus. Smart internet stuff. These companies that are moving their their factories and taking jobs out of America shouldn't enjoy all of the spoils of being an American company because you're no longer an American company. I mean, you might be incorporated here. The CEO may live here. But if the jobs aren't here, isn't that what matters to a lot of Americans? The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Later in the week, we do have another episode of 40 Acres and a Fool coming, a Thanksgiving edition, Thanksgiving-themed edition. So you send us your emails, 40acrefool at gmail.com. I want to know what's the must-have item on the Thanksgiving table. What is the item that will be on the Thanksgiving table that you absolutely will not eat and, and what are your family Thanksgiving traditions? Do you eat early in the day and then nap and watch football? Do you wait and then uh, eat dinner at dinner time and then immediately fall asleep into a, a carb coma afterwards? What, what, what do you do? Do you hunt Thanksgiving morning? Uh, do you play flag football before? Uh, the uh, dinner is served. You, you just, you know, uh, lounge in front of the TV and watch the football games. My kids have already asked, we're going to be watching football. And I said, well, you know, I haven't watched an NFL game once this year. I don't really know that I'm going to start on the Thanksgiving Day. But I would love to hear your Thanksgiving Day traditions as well. 40acrefool at gmail.com. That's the email address. Trent wrote in this week with some election thoughts. Sigh, election thoughts, says Trent. He says, I'm going to pre-apologize. This is going to end up long, and I feel like I do this too often. Edit as you see fit. I like long emails, frankly. I do. So I'm going to lightly edit this. Trent says, this election made me hate politics. And I love politics. I was that 12-year-old that enjoyed Sunday mornings with Tim Russert more than Saturdays with Bugs Bunny. I've been a political geek for as long as I can remember. By April of this year, I wanted it all to end. When Indiana ceded the nomination to Trump, I felt personally responsible. When Pence was added to the ticket, I seized. I loathe our governor, says Trent, though many like him. As the general grew nearer, I disengaged. The rhetoric from both candidates was overpowering. And as with sports teams, while you might not like the opposing quarterback, it's the other fans that really make you root against them. In this case, I wanted the game to end in a tie, be stricken from the record books, and a recess-era do-over be announced. I went to bed at 8.30 Tuesday night after watching Netflix. I woke up. I checked Twitter to see how lopsided the Clinton coronation had been, only to find that the pantsuit dragon had been vanquished. Trent says pantsuit dragon, by the way. I like that. I breathed a sigh of relief, says Trent, and I took a deep breath for Constitution. It still didn't feel like a win, but rather a stay of execution. The Republic may yet live to see another day. Trent says, you nailed it last episode. Middle America gave the aristocracy a flag-wrapped middle finger. I realized and tweeted a few weeks ago that this is the first election in my lifetime that I can remember not having a single candidate to vote for. Every vote was in protest. I don't think that was as rare a thought as I would hope it to be. Like you said, the leftist urbanites now blame us for our president. As we speak, they are likely devising ways to get us into re-education camps to show us the error of our ways. We're all going to be forced, Trent, to watch 
matinees of Hamilton the Musical until we get it. From their side, Trent says, I can understand. We have slogged into a two-party system. Politics is more adversarial than ever. That is the reaction to be expected. The problem is that this election happened because too many voices on our side agree with them. Too many voices nominally on our side, right? Trent says it may be a reach, but if we go back more than a couple of months, we can hear a voice of the right, quote-unquote, similarly bemoan the flyover states and their inhabitants. When you read portions of the Kevin Williamson pieces, Kevin Williamson from National Review, who talked about uh, Appalachia needing to die and all of these small towns, they just need to go away, and the people who live there and who have lived there for generations need to move to cities uh, because there's nothing good in these small towns except uh, nothing good, right? Just uh, the, it's the water towers and uh, syringes. That's that's the only thing that's left in these small towns and crumbling brick buildings. Uh, there are no jobs. There's no future, according to Kevin Williamson. Trent says, uh, I had a visceral reaction when I heard his pieces. Because what I heard was dog whistle language about how a portion of the right is too simple to move to a city to improve their lot, and those who would cling to the old ways deserve to be left behind. Trent says this election wasn't red versus blue or Republican versus Democrat. This election was producers versus consumers. Trump may be a bombastic ass in Trent's opinion, but he is a bombastic ass that speaks to people in a way that makes them believe he doesn't think that he's better than them, that he sees their issues and relates to them, even if he's every bit the blue blood that Clinton has become. Actually, I, you know, I actually don't think that Donald Trump is the blue blood. Um, I think in some ways, and I don't, I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but in some ways, Donald Trump is the, um, he's Al Cervic. In Caddyshack, he's he's Rodney Dangerfield. He is the guy who has the money. Uh, he can uh, 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 enter this uh, blue blood world. But Hillary Clinton's Judge Smales, and Donald Trump is is Al Cervic, uh, Trent. It, it, to me, it's, that's pretty obvious. So uh, yes, he has entree into this world, but he is not of that world. Uh, now maybe maybe Trent, what you think is that we were missing. A Ty Webb, right? We were missing the Chevy Chase candidate. I would say that was Gary Johnson, actually. Uh, <laughs> and now, don't you want to go watch Caddyshack again? Uh, Trent says, I don't, flip the, I don't fit the flyover state profile. My wife and I both have college degrees. She has a master's. We, unlike all too a few Americans, have, have our passport. Uh, we spent time considerable by most standards in London, Rome, Paris, Copenhagen, Brussels, Amsterdam. We make our home in the country, north of a town of less than 9,000 people. We do this not because it's all we know, but because having seen so much of the rest of the world, there is still no place we would rather call home. And now there's no place that we would rather raise our children. This election was two sides pushing their version of what they want to be one-sided conversation. And America responded by saying the joke's on you. We choose none of the above. They chose to protest, to challenge the conventional system, and to put in place a wild card. Trent says, I, uh, uh, I hope that he does better than any of us could imagine. I hope the wounds can heal. Sadly, I fear that we will remain as divided as ever, making our decision to remain in this quiet little corner of northeast Indiana all the more appealing. Trent, I, uh, I, I hope that the wounds can heal as well. But, you know, again, you have to want that. And I don't know that we're there yet. Uh, some of us are. Some of us, I, I think, have been consistent both before the election and after the election. You know, I said um, 
on the air last week on Cam and Company, live 2 to 5 Eastern on NRATV.com, Midnight Eastern, Sirius X and Patriot 125, and available on demand all the time at iHeartRadio and iTunes. I said after the 2012 election, I told myself and I, I, I told the listeners and the viewers, I'm not going to spend the next four years angry. I'm just not. It's not healthy for me, and I don't think it changes anything if I spend the next four years angry. I don't think the world becomes a better place. And frankly, I think anger is one of the least productive emotions out there. So I I told myself after uh, Mitt Romney lost in 2012, I'm not going to be angry that Barack Obama won. I'm not going to be angry that – you know, the left is uh, still in power. Going to be concerned. Uh, I will be troubled, but I am also going to try to live my life. I'm going to try to laugh. I'm going to try to smile. I'm going to try to enjoy my time with my family. I'm going to live a life that matters to me. What we have seen from a lot of folks on the left is that they, they're not there yet. They're, and I don't know if they do get there. Because the language that I'm hearing from the left is, this is the resistance. We are the home of the resistance. Um, And I think now this election, to a lot of folks on the left, it has confirmed what they suspected about this country in their minds. I think they're wrong. But but I think to them, uh, this election has confirmed that America is an awful place and that America has always been an awful place. And the last eight years, they were just an aberration. Uh, but it doesn't mean anything good that uh, Barack Obama was elected president, not once but twice, because Hillary Clinton wasn't elected president. And it doesn't matter if, if frankly, the, if it had been Bernie Sanders, if it had been Martin O'Malley, if it had been Lincoln Chafee, do you remember when he was running as a Democrat? Uh, or Jim Webb, it wouldn't have mattered who lost. It's not about the candidate. It's about their ideology and the American people not buying into it. And so, therefore, America sucks. And we have seen all kinds of evidence of this. I was listening. I've been listening still to a lot of progressive talk radio um, on Sirius XM because I want to know what they're saying. And I was listening one morning last week as I was driving into work. And one of the guests on – uh, the agenda with Ari Ravenhoft. He was he was out, so they had a, a guest host, and uh, one of the guests was. He actually made the comment that there's no such thing as a good cop. That was the statement. Oh no, you know what? It wasn't. It wasn't. I'm sorry. It wasn't progress. It was SiriusXM Insight. It was Karen Hunter's program, uh, and her guest said, "There's no such thing as a good cop." That there can't be such a thing as a good cop because the even the good cop works in, in the bad racist criminal justice system. And so as soon as you apply for that job, as soon as you are hired as a police officer, uh, then you become a bad person. And this statement received no pushback whatsoever from the host. I don't think it got any pushback from any callers that I heard. The other uh, uh, panelist who was there on the show didn't say anything about it. So I assume that on the left, this is a position that can be held without fear of any repercussions from your friends 
or your associates that you can truly believe that there's no such thing as a good cop. And this weekend we saw police officers murdered in cold blood. And I'm not saying that these uh, killers were inspired by this panelist on the Karen Hunter show. But I can't help but wonder if this attitude that there's no such thing as a good cop is a lot more common on the left than we might think, how scary that might be. And instead, we were talking about Hamilton. We weren't talking about these officers getting killed. We were talking about the vice president uh, going to uh, see Hamilton getting booed by the audience, the uh, the lecture and the, uh, the letter from the cast and Donald Trump tweeting about it. And, you know... Uh, I said, I think on last week's episode, that I don't think the media has learned their lesson. I still don't think the media has learned their lesson. They keep complaining about fake news and they keep giving us fluff. If they, rather than complain about fake news and, oh, look at these fake news sites, this is awful. Hey, here's five things you need to know about what could kill you in your pantry. Why don't you, the media, focus on doing a better job? Why don't you focus on covering stories that matter to us? Why don't you, the media, focus on having some diversity in the newsroom, some actual honest-to-God ideological, political, philosophical diversity? I think that uh, – you know, I I think the newsrooms across America have become safe spaces for the journalists that work there. And I'll be honest with you. You know, we just read an email from Trent. I think someone like Trent – should be in a newsroom somewhere. I'm sorry, Trent. I know that might mean you would have to move from Northeast Indiana. Or, or Trent, just be a correspondent. Be a correspondent. Go visit the home office once every couple of weeks or once a month and uh, you know, go give a little seminar to the uh, journalists there in Manhattan or inside the Beltway. Here's what's going on where I live. Here's, here's what I know. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what the people around me are talking about. Because, God, they don't have that. And even worse, they don't want it. They don't want to let anybody into their little club. They don't want to hear those voices outside of the bubble. They want to hear that the bubble is rural America, not the uh, the Beltway, not Midtown Manhattan, not Silicon Valley, not Hollywood. Nope, the bubble is the the rest of the country. And they are utterly convinced of that. And until, until they learn how wrong they are, until they realize that, I'll be honest with you, Trent, I don't see it getting any better. I think it's going to continue to get worse. I think it's going to continue to get uglier. And frankly, I've been saying this for the past couple of months. No matter who won, I think it was going to happen. No matter who won, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, a majority of America was going to be unhappy with that result. Uh, and you are going to continue to see tension and friction. I just hope that uh, sooner or later we do uh, find a way to start to come together and hopefully – uh, it does not take a, a national tragedy to uh, restore that that sense of unity and togetherness. All right. I think on that note, I, we, actually, we might actually have one or two more uh, emails here. Uh, I did get an email that I'm not supposed to share, but I will thank you very much for the uh, couple in Colorado, or at least in the mountains, for uh, sending that email. I, I really do appreciate it. Also, I do want to get to one uh, last email. Uh, Jim and his wife, Carol, got a chance to do something that I, I was hoping to get to go to. The 1,000-man shoot in Arizona at the Ben Avery Range. Uh, Anthony Imperato from Henry put the, helped to put this on with the NRA. 
and it went off spectacularly. Uh, there were a thousand individuals on the firing line, each of them shooting their uh, Henry rifles. And Jim and his wife Carol were there. Jim says, I even got Carol one of the rifles. She's a big fan of lever action 22s. I have an old Marlin for my father. She has a Henry she got a couple of years ago. This was special, though. And I signed us both up to shoot, and then I got the package for her that included the rifle. Henry took them all back to clean, and then they'll ship out to the lucky few. We had a great day. We wish that you both could have been there. We did get our photo with Anthony and Parada, which was brief, but really cool. Anthony is such a great guy, isn't he, Jim? We think of you guys every day, and we hope that you hammer through this chemotherapy crap with no issues other than being a bit chilly on top of the head, uh, which one of your cool caps will fix right up, Missy. Good thoughts and prayers to the whole family. Take care from now. Jim says, uh, want to ask about the bees, but they probably have not been a priority. They, not yet. But I was thinking about it. I was in Tractor Supply over the weekend. They had a uh, one of the magazines at the front was a beekeeping magazine. And I thought, I'm going to pick that up the next time I go get some feed. Jim and Carol says, one last thing would be that we've never met you, but we do love and care about you and yours. Well, Jim, Carol, thank you very much. And uh, and know that I have not met you either in person. I hope that we change that. But, look, we have um, regular listeners, not just to, to Cam and Company, uh, sponsored by Nosler, but uh, regular listeners to 40 Acres and a Fool. I, I hear from folks each and every week, whether it's via email or, uh, you know, on social media. I'm back, by the way, on Twitter now, at Cam Edwards. I know. We'll talk about that at some point. Uh, I'm also on Facebook and uh, and on Instagram. And we do have a real community here. We do care about each other. Um, you know, Miss E has knit uh, a caps uh, for some of our uh, friends who we've gotten a chance to know via email here. Um, we've, and Trent, you're, I got to send you my email address so you can get uh, some seeds out to me and we're going to knit uh, Trent and his wife a baby blanket. We do have a community. This is a really large, uh, dysfunctional family, but we make it work here on 40 Acres and a Fool. So thank you, Jim and Carol. I love you all too. And, uh, we have a great week. We will be back in just a couple of days, actually, with this Thanksgiving-themed edition of 40 Acres and a Fool, starring once again, Missy, keep your fingers crossed that uh, she'll be up for it. I think she'll be up for a segment, at least. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll talk to you soon with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.